Coming up, a fresh take on a literary classic. A cozy mystery set in modern San Francisco. Plus our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. I think this is pretty common knowledge among our longtime listeners, but for new bookish friends, hello, my name is Melissa, and my favorite book Chapter One is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. There was no possibility of taking a walk that day. I'm always equal parts intrigued and skeptical when new novels inspired by Jane Eyre are released. Yeah. It's a tricky proposition. Jane Eyre holds such a special place in my heart, and it's so of its time. I think it's very difficult to retell the story with modern sensibilities. But authors who love the original keep trying. And the new book, Jane and Edward, by Melody Edwards, is getting some good buzz. Okay. So I am willing to give it a go. In this modern retelling, Jane is a former foster kid. When the book opens, she's working as a waitress in a suburb of Toronto. For anyone who's ever worked in food service, the first chapter is great. There is a long diatribe about how terribly picky customers can be, and it does a great job establishing this new Jane's voice. In the Bronte version, Jane changes her lot by becoming a governess. In this one, she accepts a job as a legal assistant at the distinguished law firm of Rosen, Haith, and Thornfield. People familiar with Jane Eyre will know that Thornfield Hall is the estate owned by our hero, Mr. Rochester. This Jane's new boss is Edward Rosen, an ill-tempered loudmouth who's unable to keep an assistant until now. As he and Jane go from respectful colleagues to fond friends to more, Jane's independence is at risk. And Edward has secrets. To move ahead with her life, Jane will have to face her past demons and decide if Edward is worth the risk. I'm very curious to see how the Victorian-era secrets of the original are transposed to the 21st century. Yeah. But I'm hopeful. Library Journal said, Fans of Jane Eyre will enjoy spotting the Easter eggs. More importantly, the love story stays faithful to the original with the addition of some spice. The publisher has an excerpt, a sample of the audiobook, and a reader's guide online. I'll put links to all of that in show notes. The book is Jane and Edward by Melody Edwards, and it's out now. My book is Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers. Catchy title. Yeah, it's a new book from Jesse Q. Sutanto. The book starts when Vera Wong, who's 60 and probably watched too many episodes of CSI, Vera Wong finds a body in her tea shop in San Francisco. It belongs to 29-year-old Marshall Chen, and he's got a flash drive in his hand when he dies. Ooh. Yeah. She takes a permanent marker and draws an outline around his body. (laughs) And then she calls the police. Just helping a little bit. Yeah. Before they get there, she pockets the flash drive. They show up and determine that he died from an allergy attack. Vera decides they're wrong (laughs) and that she's the only one who can get to the bottom (laughs) of this murder. Especially since she pocketed some of the evidence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she's a little soft with the chain of custody there. One of her investigative techniques is to have suspects come over for tea. She becomes friends with them even as she continues to believe that one of them killed Marshall. Reviews are calling this a sweet, amusing, cozy murder mystery. A few of the reviews I read called out the food descriptions in this book, which was endearing. Dumplings and barbecue beef make an appearance. It sounds like the perfect book for a lazy weekend. It's 
Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers by Jesse Q. Sutanto, and it's out now. And now our distraction of the week. Okay, so this week I went down a rabbit hole of punctuation. That perked up my ears. (laughs) This journey started out with a Washington Post article. The article is called, Sometimes it's too much, but the exclamation point has a point. (laughs) The article is about the exclamation point. The author's name is Florence Hazrat. She's a writer and researcher. She lives in Berlin. In the Washington Post article, she writes, For the last three years, I've been studying the history of the exclamation point. And over the course of my research, which began with a study of parentheses, time and again, I have come across flack against the exclamation point. I began to wonder whether the exclamation point was really as, quote, breathless, almost childish as the Penguin Guide to Punctuation says it is. I read on, hoping someone would publish a manifesto in defense of the poor, abused Mark, but couldn't find anything. So that someone turned out to be me. I love that this all started with studying parentheses. Yeah. First, I want to point out that the phrase, which began as a study of parentheses, is delightful both because of the idea and because the phrase itself appears in parentheses. Perfect. (laughs) The article goes on to talk about the history of the exclamation mark. It turns out it's only 700 years old, which makes it almost half as old as some of its brothers. Aristophanes was a big fan of the period back in 400 BC, (laughs) for instance. The rest of the article talks about the rise and fall of the exclamation over time and its sordid reputation. We will put a link to that in our show notes. And then at the bottom of the article, it says... Florence Hazrat is the author of An Admirable Point, A Brief History of the Exclamation Mark. And I thought, okay, I'll bite. And I bought her book. I find her book really enjoyable. It's short. It's punchy. It's got a lot of pictures. It's a certain kind of fun nonfiction book that still has some things to say. It's still got some weight to it. Hazrat writes about different kinds of exclamation points and how the exclamation has been used in politics and culture, how some people view the exclamation point as feminine, perhaps because of its excitability, and how wrongheaded that is. She also points to a bunch of uses of the exclamation point that I had not seen before. For instance, she mentions that back in 2010, the children's TV show Electric Company had hip-hop legend LL Cool J do a rap on different punctuation rules. (laughs) We will put a link to that whole video in our show notes. Overall reviews for An Admirable Point have been good. There haven't been a ton of them, but it did just come out in March a few days ago. I've read one negative review that I thought was amusing. I'm going to share it here. On Goodreads, K.J. Charles writes, Despite being brief, this was too long. The excellent semicolon the past, present, and future of a misunderstood mark uses a single punctuation mark as the springboard for a really interesting read. So I was hoping for similar here. But this is very repetitive, doesn't go deep, and basically lacks sufficient material. It would have made a good article. Possibly the exclamation mark is just duller than the semicolon. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) What an ending. So where do you fall on the inherent dreariness of punctuation marks? (laughs) I'm a fan of the interrobang myself. 
Sometimes you just need the question mark and the exclamation. Yes. If you want to decide for yourself which is a superior book, we will link to both in our show notes. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more nerding out about punctuation and links for the rest of the books we discussed in this episode. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. Exclamation point. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 